greatest symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. Approaching oh, what could be his casket. Creepy guys. Wait a minute. From behind, here comes the alleged real world's champion. Rick Flair getting a bird's eye view of Hulk Hogan. Hogan reaching for the standing casket is Flair now confronting Hulk Hogan. This is Man, huh? Hey, you I'll know tell you. how long 
24-inch pythons, big man. Well, don't be ashamed of those butterflies you got rumbling in that stomach right now. Because, big man, I just burst that bubble you've been living in, and I'm here on your doorstep with the real world championship belt. Compare the two. In closing, in closing, what are you gonna do, Hulk Hogan, when Ric Flair runs wild on you? champion Hulk Hogan, you will find out, Ric Flair, not only will the thousands of little Hulksters out there be at your Wait beckoning a call, Wait a minute. but Hulk Hogan From the will high. be right there. Right. It's the Undertaker with the urn. Undertaker hammering Hulk Hogan. Undertaker standing over the body of Hulk. Look at that. Undertaker not even flinching. What's he doing? Reaching down. Boom. Undertaker standing over Hulk Hogan. And unquestionably will be perhaps the darkest day in the history of Hulkamania. It unquestionably will be Hulk Hogan's grievous challenge at the Survivor Series. Hello and welcome to the Hogan Era Podcast. I am your host, JP John Paz, and this is a part of the two-man power trip of wrestling's podcasting empire right here on the two-man power trip of wrestling's podcast feed. Of course, the Hogan Era Podcast focuses in on the central figure of the Vince McMahon golden age in the WWF 1984 to 1993, the Hulkster, the immortal one, Hulk Hogan. The reason why we're all here today as wrestling fans, more than likely, the reason that I fell in love with the business all the way back in 1985. Sure, my dad was selling insurance in New Jersey to Pedro Morales, the absolute legend and icon that he was, but I was falling in love with the Hulkster, the larger-than-life character, 
the guy who is going to put the butts in the seats, the Babe Ruth of wrestling, like I said, the immortal Hulk Hogan. Now, each and every week here, we've been focusing in on some of his top feuds and biggest moments in that Hogan era, in his era. And this week will be no different as we're focusing in on the Undertaker. As far as this feud is concerned, we're strictly obviously going to focus focus in on the feud that went from 1991 to just about the beginning of 1992. As far as really first time they're touching in the ring on the last time they're touching in the ring. And as far as this feud is concerned, yes, it is short lived, but we're going to break it down. And it's funny that this feud was short lived, but the lore of the feud lives on as Undertaker has been doing interviews for the last couple of years, ever since his retirement. And he's been talking a lot about Hulkster and a lot about Survivor Series 1991. And we will get into that in a little bit. Obviously, we will not focus in on the terrible few that happened in 2002. Not really sure what happened there. Not really sure what went wrong. But if you look at Hogan's run in 02, it's awesome. And you're thinking, okay, he starts off. The NWO comes in. They beat up Steve Austin. They beat up The Rock. You get Hollywood Hogan, WrestleMania 18 versus The Rock. Huge match. Awesome match. 800,000-plus buys. Hogan's on a roll. The next month, he beats Triple H. They capitalized on the momentum and the hotness that is the nostalgia act of Hulkamania and his return and his return to yellow and red. So when that happens, Triple H had a horrible run as a babyface. Uh, he got one good pop at MSG, which was manufactured. And I think as we know the rest of his history. He's just a terrible babyface, much better as a heel. They knew, okay, this guy doesn't have it as far as where we want it to be. We got to go with the hot hand. We want to sell a shit ton of merch. We want to go with the Hulkster right now. Then, of course, a month later, he loses to Undertaker. Horrible feud, horrible screw-ups with the motorcycle. Not a great match. It just wasn't working. And I want, don't really want to blame Undertaker. Don't really want to blame Hulkster. Could just be a mixture of both of the chemistry. Was just not there in 02 between them. Um, I do tend, if I had to blame somebody, I will tend to lean and blame Undertaker because if you look at Hulk, the next month after that is a really good match with Kurt Angle. Um, it's much more of a storyline builder, but a good little feud there and a good little match with uh, Brock Lesnar. But really, his only bad match in, in that whole return was Undertaker. So, like you know, I'd say, but you got to blame uh, Taker for that. So, with this show, let's start off by first saying the first time they're really kind of in the ring or in the same match together was one nineteen ninety one. Of course, that is Royal Rumble from Miami, Florida, at the Miami Arena. The Hulkster Hulk Hogan ends up winning that match. Of course, we talked about this weeks ago. He lastly eliminated Earthquake to win that one. Match goes an hour and five minutes. The Hulkster, who was then the WB champion, or excuse me, then about to become the WB champion at, at WrestleMania 7, would have a nice little run there as, you know, making the case. Hey, I just won the Royal Rumble. This wasn't when you automatically got a title shot either, where you're automatically getting the title shot for winning Royal Rumble. This was just a strong case for the Hulkster, winning it two years in a row, 1990 and then 1991. And Undertaker's in that match as well, and he, as everybody kind of remembers, a little dust-up with LOD in that one as they eliminate him, but that was very cool as far as just a little moment there in that match and something to be very memorable outside, of course, of the ending of Hulkster, kind of ending the feud with Earthquake by throwing him over the top and out and eliminating him. So... Think about this feud to begin with. And I know people are going to say, oh, 
Undertaker shouldn't have lost the title that quickly. Hogan, we'll get to that in a second. But just to put in perspective where everybody was at this point, let's not go crazy and think that The Undertaker was The Undertaker, the big name, the icon, the conscience of the WWE, the heart and soul of the WWF. I mean, let's just put some brakes on that and put a hold on that for a second. He was not, not even close at this point. Yes, he had a great debut in Survivor Series 1990. Yes, he starts to get on a little bit of a roll, but he's not that big of a star and that big. I mean, yes, he has uh, an aura about him. Yes, he has this, you know, some kind of sense of um, uh, no vulnerability, really. He just has this sense of, wow, mystique about him, the old mystique and aura line. That's kind of him, but he wasn't like this huge star. He wasn't a bankable guy. He wasn't a guy where it's like, oh, he's got the for, for sure main eventer. I mean, he just came off. He's one and all WrestleMania at this point. So he just beat Snook at WrestleMania 7. And he kind of is, you know, starting up with a little bit with Jake the Snake. And you see them teaming up. And you're starting to see the funeral parlor pop up. And you start, obviously Paul Bearer. And you're really adding to the character that is Undertaker. But is not known as being a great wrestler at this point. Much of the the dead man here is just no-selling everything. And, and hardly doing any sort of. You know, besides "quote unquote" old school, but it, which the move would then be turned, which which is the uh, the top rope kind of uh, one arm slam that he does when, when he's holding the opponent's arm. I mean, you're seeing a little bit of his athleticism, but you're not seeing the Undertaker that we all know and love much years later, where he becomes one of the greatest superstars of all time. At this point, very young, still pretty green. You didn't know what you had with him. You just didn't know if he was a bankable star yet. You didn't know how much money and time and really investments that WWE was going to put into him because is he a star? I mean, you got Hogan, obviously. You got Macho Man at this point, who was quote-unquote retired but making his way back in a great feud with Jake the Snake Roberts. You had Ric Flair there. You had some other guys, obviously, that were still – Warrior just walked out, you know, or really just got thrown out. He got fired after SummerSlam 91. Yeah, but you didn't really have Undertaker on the level of Hogan or Savage or Flair or anything like that. He's up there, and they're, they're kind of moving him up the ladder, and they're bringing him towards the main event. He's staying undefeated, and he's becoming a big star. But at this point, he is not, I repeat, not a main eventer or a true blue star. So when he gets thrust in this feud with Hulk Hogan, Hogan is really elevating him. Hogan is putting Undertaker on the map. Hogan is basically making Undertaker's career right then and there. Because when you feud with Hogan, especially during the Hogan era, especially at this point, you become a main eventer automatically. You become a star. If you end up beating Hulkster, no matter how you do it, you become an even bigger star. Then you become a main eventer. But by no means was Undertaker at this point before feuding with Hogan a main event level talent or a star or somebody you could say, this guy is the man. He was somebody you could say, this guy has the potential. And I see something in this guy, and he could be a very big star in this business. But at this point in time, he's just not there yet. It's, he's just not the main eventer that we you know know and love years later. It's not you know Undertaker versus AJ Styles, where the guy's a god, and you know he's kind of giving AJ a nice little rub there. This is not this. This is the other way around. Hogan is totally giving the rub to Taker here. So let's go on to seven twenty nine nineteen ninety one. The first match these guys are going to have against each other in a one-on-one capacity. It's really a part of a, a dark match in Worcester, Mass., part of a Superstars taping. And what we're really going to have here is 
in essence, four months prior to the Battle of Survivor Series. So this is well before the feud is kind of kicking in. This is just almost testing the waters here. See what you have. See if Hogan likes him. See, it's going to be a very short match, by the way. It's going to be four minutes and 34 seconds, and Hulk Hogan does get the win in defeating Undertaker via pinfall. And you're thinking here, it's like, okay, what are you really getting out of here? Yes, it eventually is going to be a part of prime time. Yes, it eventually is going to be on the Hulkmania 6 tape. But like, what are you getting here at essence? What are you really looking for? You're really looking for Vince and Hogan looking at, okay, who can we make a star? Who can Hogan help get over? Who can we elevate? Who's who's like the, the future of the WBF here? Hey, really like this guy Undertaker. He's got a shit ton of potential. Let's see what we got. So Hogan Undertaker here, like I said, is July 29th, 1991. This is actually four months before the infamous Survivor Series match. This will air on primetime wrestling. And of course, Undertaker is in the midst of a major push here. You won't see this on primetime wrestling right away, and you won't see this on Hulkamania tape right away, but you will eventually. So this is going to be one of the many headlining WB house shows that the Undertaker has. But before that, he was really kind of headlining a lot of shows with the Ultimate Warrior. And that would kind of be something with with Undertaker and like, let's like kind of test the waters. Let's test them out with Warrior first and then move up to Hulk. I mean, Hulk is like the final boss. That's like the, the final seal of approval. The final thing you're going to say, OK, I like this guy. Let's do something with him. Just as a, uh, a side note here, and, and just I don't want to kind of forget this at all. But Hulk Hogan did get Undertaker a role in the Suburban Commando film. If you remember Suburban Commando. It was a movie to kind of test the waters on the Hulk Hogan market. Obviously, New Line Cinema saw that No Holds Barred doubled the profit and made money. It wasn't a killer. It didn't make a ton of money at the box office, but still it doubled its profit. So like, okay, we got to get another movie for Hogan. What can we get? What's the idea? What can we do? Arnold Schwarzenegger turned down Suburban Commando to go film Twins. And little known fact, Danny DeVito was going to be in Suburban Commando as well. So it was going to be DeVito and Schwarzenegger. But instead, they decided to take the Twins role instead and do that movie, which was pretty successful. But instead, they give this role to Hulk Hogan. And the movie only made about $7 million. So, you know, you won't say flop, but it wasn't very successful, especially considering the success that New Line Cinema saw with No Holds Barred. But Undertaker is in the movie because of Hulk. So you got to be grateful to Hulk that he's resting in Survivor Series and he's getting your role in Suburban Commando, a big-time Hollywood film here. So just putting that in perspective, everybody, it's like Hulk is helping this guy out here. So just don't lose track of that as we're going through this show. Let's just keep that in mind. So in the first WBF title match against Hulk Hogan, The Undertaker seems to throw away the rule book. I'm going to throw that thing right out the window. Undertaker is able to uh, take control of the match. He is stomping away at Hogan. He proceeds to choke the Hulkster. He uses his torn T-shirt. He beats him up with it. He, he repeatedly um, uses the belt. I mean, he's doing whatever he can to cheat. But for whatever reason, the referee is just allowing this to go on. And technically, The Undertaker should have been disqualified in this match. Of course, I'm talking about the July match here. But he's not. And it's kind of a lopsided match where Undertaker does a lot of offense. Cheating quite a bit for some reason is not DQ'd. Um, Hogan is really selling a lot, which is a very, very strong part. If you ever watch Hulkster's matches, he's one of the greatest sellers of all time. He loves to work the levels. He's down and out. Then he's working the middle where he's slowly getting on one knee, getting back up. Then he gets on both knees. Then he's shaking the arms. Then he's shaking the head and he's getting back up. Great at working levels. 
awesome at selling pretty like one of those guys where you look at it, it's like oh you always think like ricky morton is a great seller or ricky steamboat's a great seller i'll throw hogan in there with those guys i mean even though those guys are much smaller i know steamboat's you know six foot or so and i'm sure uh ricky morton's tipping the scales of you know five nine but and hulks are six five but hulkster really was an awesome seller especially with a big guy like undertaker or a bigger guy in general who has just a a, a big offensive move set where he's working down and he's beating up the guy, you know, six eleven. he's always going to be working down for the most part, but undertaker here in this match was kind of the, the precursor of, of what we're seeing eventually survivor series too, but he's no selling Hogan's offense. Like I say, he's cheating. He's beating up Hogan. He's no selling all of his offense overall. Like I said, the match is less than five minutes. Hogan basically pushes undertaker into Paul Bearer and rolls up Undertaker for the three. So it's not really a decisive three, but it goes less than five minutes. Undertaker gets most of the offense, and Hogan then does get the get the pin. Not historic, not memorable, nothing. It was nothing great, but it was like one of those matches. I guess you just want to test the water, see what you have. Vince McMahon wanted to see what he had. The crowd was reacting pretty damn strong to the Undertaker. Definitely a scary character, but definitely a scary dude. Great character, great creation by Vince McMahon. So the Undertaker versus Hulk Hogan. 91 feud basically it, you could say it it starts out there and then we kind of move forward and we'll go to 11 13 91 so this is basically almost four months later they're gonna have another dark match this is going to be a new haven connecticut at the new haven coliseum hogan this time defeats undertaker in about less than four minutes at this point and this is part of a superstar statement as well this is just a dark match and this time hogan just wins by dq again i think they're just getting their feet wet and they're just kind of you know going at it and kind of seeing what we have maybe even crowd reaction wise maybe even ticket wise because you know they'll, they'll announce the match beforehand they want to see how it does and that's one of the things when like you look at 1987 just to throw us out there for instance in leading up to WrestleMania, they had announced a bunch of house shows, Hulk Hogan versus Kamala. So, okay, well, we'll see how this goes. Boom, they sell out. They were doing big business. They're like, okay, let's keep running Kamala here with these house shows. So sometimes it's just they want to sell some tickets. They want to throw that name out there. Yes, they're doing a superstar taping, but the dark match really is the big seller. When I went to a, a Sunday heat taping in the end of 1998 in Philly, I really went because I wanted to get my piece of paper that allowed me to get WrestleMania 15 tickets. Lo and behold, I get first row because we got there so early to the venue. We will fill out our ticket information on this piece of paper, send in the checks. Boom, we get first row till WrestleMania 15. The Rock and Hulk Hogan, literally, excuse me, The Rock and Steve Austin literally fell in our lap during that match. And the rest is history there. And we have a very, very memorable moment there from WrestleMania 15. But what I'm really getting to, my really my point is, the reason why that heat taping sold out, yes, the WWF was really hot at that point, but on the headline, on the paper, the thing that sold the the billboard, if you will, that sold it, Steve Austin was going to be in a fatal four-way dark match with The Rock, Undertaker, and Kane. Boss man's the referee, but we saw Undertaker is going to be on the show, but we saw Steve Austin is the headliner. Oh, we got to go. Guess what? 20,000 people were there for a Sunday night heat taping. Pretty much. It's a hot business, but pretty much because Steve Austin's the main event. Same thing with Hogan. You do superstars taping, but yeah, really billboard it. And you really promote that Hogan is in the dark match main event. You throw an undertaker. It's like, wow, we sold out that building. I guess there is some interest in a Hulk Hogan versus undertaker match. But going back to this 1991 feud over the WF championship, Hogan, Undertaker, 
Let's go to Survivor Series 1991. But first, not long after Undertaker joined the WWF in 1990, he really kind of set his sights on Hulk Hogan. Ric Flair then gets involved. And that's the kind of the key point here because that name is going to come up again and again and again in Hogan's uh, you know end of his tenure in 91-92 run there as we're going to see Flair kind of uh, be a bit of a thorn in his side as we think we're leading up to Flair Hogan at WrestleMania 8. We are not, but we thought we were. But before we get there, Flair and Undertaker attack Hulk Hogan. It's November 16th, 1991 at Paul Bearer's Funeral Parlor, which was a great interview segment that they did there. Really kind of was a great vehicle to set up storylines and really had a cool set that I enjoyed too. So Undertaker beats up Hogan, attacks him from behind. After Hogan and Flair have a little, you know, beef with each other. And really, Flair is there to antagonize and trick and entice Hogan and, and distract him while The Undertaker beats him off from behind. Undertaker rips off Hogan's necklace, beats the crap out of him, and it takes chair shots from Randy Savage and Rowdy Roddy Piper to get Undertaker and Flair away from the Hulkster. So that's really the big build to the feud as Undertaker all of a sudden is going to be getting a big time. WBF World Championship match. And not only is it big time because it's a world title match, it's big time because you're going up against the immortal Hulk Hogan during the Hogan era. So in the first ever one-on-one pay-per-view match at Survivor Series, The Undertaker will face the immortal Hulk Hogan for the WBF Championship. Of course, this show was on November 27th, 1991. They call this one the gravest challenge, and this was held at Joe Louis Arena in Detroit, Michigan. Now, here's where some controversy will start. So anyone that was anybody that was a fan then didn't really believe that Hulkster was going to lose. I know myself, there was no way Hulkster was going to lose. I don't care if he's a dead man. I don't care if he doesn't sell Hogan's offense. There's just no way Hogan is going to lose to Undertaker at this point. But then Ric Flair comes to ringside. He passes a steel chair under The Undertaker. Well, really, behind the ref's back and on the mat. Then The Undertaker uses the tombstone to tombstone Hogan on the chair. Flair pulls away the chair. Undertaker pins Hogan. One, two, three. He gets the win. And The Undertaker becomes the World Wrestling Federation World Heavyweight Championship. Excuse me, champion. He would defeat the Immortal Hulk Hogan. In about 13 minutes, a little bit less than 13 minutes. So, man, it's like, wow, I, I just was absolutely shocked. Yes, Flair cheated. Yes, I can't believe that that happened. But like, whoa, Undertaker out of nowhere. I mean, he got a little bit of a push, but not really anything major. It was just a big shocker to me as a fan. I know it was a big shocker to a lot of other people as a, as a fan as well. Yes, Flair cheats, but still, you just didn't expect it from the Hulkster to lose right then and there. I don't know if Undertaker was quite ready for it. I don't know if he was built up enough for it. The thing is that Undertaker, which is funny, because after the match, Hogan complains that he hurt his neck on the tombstone and that he really injured him, and, and Undertaker goes, there's no way. And he tells a story about how before the show starts, Hogan was saying, hey, I got a bad neck, brother. You're going to be careful. I don't know if I trust your finish. And he kept kind of throwing that seed under Taker's head. And Undertaker's like, I got you, man. I, you know, Don't worry about it. You have no problem here. I'm not going to hurt you. Um, we're good. 
Undertaker kind of thinks that he's planting a seed that, uh-oh, uh, Hogan's not happy with losing to me. Hogan doesn't want a job. Hogan doesn't want to put me over. He's talking about his neck. What the hell's going on here? I am going to handle him just fine. I think that I think it's going to be okay. So really here, what happens is, yes, if you watch the replay, he does any, any come anywhere near close to hurting Hogan's neck. There's a plenty of room, you know, the foot between the ground and the chair or whatever you want to say, Undertaker's knees and the chair, Hogan's head and the chair. I mean, there's no room there. He really, you know, he, he hits the tombstone, but it's all the whole effect goes on his knees. Hogan's saying that he held him so tightly that he jarred something when he went down and he, it was just a little too bit too tight. And what the real story here is, and I'm surprised Undertaker didn't realize this. And I'm surprised that after all these years, he's still kind of saying that, he can't believe Hulk was bullshitting him that he wasn't really hurt. He watched the replay. He didn't realize it till this Tuesday in Texas, which was six days later, which would be the rematch between those two. He didn't realize that he didn't really hurt Hogan's neck. So all those days in between, he didn't see the film. He didn't see anything. He just was assuming, oh, maybe I did Hulk hurt Hulk. Maybe I'm completely off base. You know, he was a little bit nervous. You never know what's going on. You get a little paranoid. You just thinking, oh, man, maybe I did kind of screw up there. But he didn't. So here's the thing. He said Hulk was on the floor talking to the doctor, saying his neck was bothering him. Vince is kind of saying, oh, what's going on here? Shane McMahon telling Undertaker, oh, man, no way. Uh, you didn't hurt him at all. And he's pulling him to the side. But then Shane McMahon pulls him out of the room where he can only hear Hulk and the doctor talking. And Shane's telling him, oh, man, you didn't hurt him at all. Waiting for Undertaker's response. Undertaker's like, yeah, I didn't think so. But this whole thing, and I hate to break it to Undertaker, and I hate to break it to everybody out there. Of course, yes, Hogan did not get hurt. And of course, yes, Hogan was working. But Hogan wasn't working Vince. Hogan wasn't working Shane. Hogan wasn't working Pat Patterson. Hogan was working Undertaker. Vince McMahon was working The Undertaker. Shane McMahon was working The Undertaker. They were testing him. They wanted to see how he would react. Hogan was totally working him from uh, beginning to end and yeah hogan afterwards was even saying oh yeah maybe hurt me a little jarred and whatever that did nothing to undertaker's push that did nothing to diminish the 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 win it didn't make uh hulk look any weaker undertaker look any stronger or, or however you want to word it it's just funny to think that undertaker is putting that story out there it's like i didn't trust hulk after that um i respected him which is great and i commend undertaker for that but Man, the fact that you didn't realize that these guys were testing you and they were working you, even after all these years, it's kind of surprising, especially somebody at his level to think that because, man, they were just, they wanted to see your reaction to the way Hulk was doing that. And the fact that he says, oh, Shane took me out of the room so we can only listen to him and the doctor. Hulk and the doctor might have been laughing, saying, oh, man, let, let's see how he reacts. Let's see how he does. And Undertaker, to his credit, acted very respectfully and very great. And he wasn't a dick about it. And he didn't, you know, kind of, uh, almost defend himself saying there's no way he, he hurt Hogan. They wanted to see if he was going to be like a dick. Like, I didn't hurt you and start a fight with him and then this and that. They were testing him and they and he passed the test. But it's funny that all these years later, he didn't realize that they were really just messing with him and working with him. And Hogan obviously planted the seed early, like, oh, don't hurt my neck. But brother, totally messing with him. And I love that story because it's like, Come on, Taker. You you know, you, you've been around a long time. You know better than that. They were just messing with you. They want to see how you would react. And obviously, you didn't hurt them. Um, Hogan is the greatest worker of all time in the ring and away from the ring. 
He loves to uh, kind of mess with the boys a little bit, especially a young green guy like Undertaker. Let's see how he handles this. Let's see how he acts to this. And he was great with Hogan after that. He said, oh, you know, he's very weary of him, but he's very respectful. So that is a, a good thing. And I just want to throw that out there and put my two cents on that. Yes, Hogan was faking it, but he was working Undertaker. And obviously Vince was in on it, too, because Vince knew. I mean, he watched the footage. Everybody watched the footage. And it really hurt him. I mean, Undertaker didn't hurt him at all. But that doesn't necessarily mean that Undertaker was going to have a long title run and Hogan did that to kill the title run. That was never in the cards. He was so green at this point. He wasn't a star. He wasn't a bankable guy. He wasn't the guy that you're going to put the title on at this point, especially in 1991. This was a vehicle and a storyline input to kind of create another pay-per-view this Tuesday in Texas, which is going to happen six days later, then make the Royal Rumble the biggest Royal Rumble of all time by having the biggest stakes of all time, by having the WWF title up for grabs at the Royal Rumble. Obviously, afterwards, where the fact that Flair wins, and obviously you're thinking it's going to be Hogan beating Flair at WrestleMania and him getting the title back and then going into another Hogan run there. And that doesn't happen. We get Hogan, Sid, Savage beats Flair for the title. We get a little Savage run. Flair wins the title again. And then we get the Brett run after that. But, you know, those plans are, are to be discussed. And, and that's a different day entirely to talk about that and kind of where it went wrong there. But focusing on Undertaker, he was never, ever going to be the champion for a long time. So for him to think that Hogan saying that oh he hurt he possibly hurt his neck had something to do with some bearing on his title run it was never meant to be long it was supposed to be a short-term thing to create some interest create some controversy and create a spark hogan did that a bunch hogan did that with luger at hogwild remember he loses him on nitro in detroit in early august august 4th 1997 loses him at the pay-per-view on, on august 10th 1997 so it's one of those things where or i believe it maybe it was august 9th i think it was a saturday but anyway it was one of those things you create interest, create spark. You just don't keep the title run going. You lose. You create a real shock and awe. And the fans thinking, wow, I can't believe that. I want to see the rematch. I want to see Hogan get the title back. Obviously, WCW, it's kind of reversed. It, it was just a, really a spark to create interest to keep the 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 title on, on Hogan to have the end game be Hogan's thing. That's a different story for a completely different day. It has nothing to do with the Hogan era. We're just throwing it out there where sometimes you lose the title, create interest, and then you win it right back. And you kind of create a spark and get re-energize the fan base and re-energize the creative department and the company and get the interest going again. So that's what they were trying to do here as Undertaker wins his first WBF championship at the, at the fifth annual Survivor Series event. His first run, like I said, only last two days, and then Hogan would eventually recapture the title this Tuesday in Texas the following week. For many, this would actually be the first time seeing the superstars go head-to-head with one another, but like we mentioned before, that wasn't their first televised encounter. They had two of those dark matches before these two pay-per-view matches. This Tuesday in Texas was held in San Antonio, Texas on 12-3-91, one of those one-off pay-per-views. They really didn't do that too much. Obviously, doing it on a Tuesday was way different. They wouldn't do that again until Taboo Tuesday pay-per-view in 2004. You know, it was worth a try, worth a shot. Hogan wins the title again. He does the roll-up finish here, the same that he did back in July. And it's about another 13-minute match. Both these matches are not great. And I think it has more to do with The Undertaker's character than his work right here. The no-selling and stuff like that, I mean, that just kind of makes for a very blah, very boring match. It just wasn't – they weren't very good at all, and I just you, you just you don't really you know enjoy them uh, too much. But really, 
just focusing back in on this Tuesday in Texas, Hogan Undertaker, how we got there. Jack Tunney declared the rematch due to Undertaker's controversial win over Hogan at Survivor Series, saying that the one-time only pay-per-view this Tuesday in Texas, which is, by the way, later shortened to Tuesday in Texas, um, would be the rematch of Undertaker versus Hogan. The reason, obviously, for the controversy, he sees it. The ref didn't see Ric Flair cheat. Hogan shouldn't have lost at Survivor Series. That's why we're getting this rematch here. The thing is, too, every time Hogan would take down Undertaker, Taker sets up. Anytime he goes for a, an offensive mover, maneuver, Hogan keeps fighting back. Ric Flair came to ringside again, but Jack Tunney ordered him to leave. Hogan hit Flair in the back of the chair, knocked him into Jack Tunney. They both fell on the floor. Flair climbs onto the ring apron with the chair, but Hogan shoved Undertaker's face, basically fist first, face first into the chair. Paul Bearer accidentally hit the Undertaker in the head with the urn after Hogan ducks. Hogan throws dust in Undertaker's face and pins him for the one, two, three with the roll-up, making him then again the WB champion. So, not only does Undertaker beat Hogan in controversial faction, Hogan then beats Undertaker in controversial faction. Uh, fashion excuse me so thinking about it it's like okay how does undertaker look in this scenario hogan puts him on the map hogan put him over huge hogan loses him i don't care if it was by cheating the immortal hulk hogan loses the world title undertaker cements him as the main eventer cements him as a star boom six days later hogan has to cheat to beat undertaker how often does hogan cheat in a match never and he had to cheat well I know you're going to say he does a lot of heel tactics, but really, when does he ever cheat to win the match like that in that fashion and really put over Undertaker strong? So again, Jack Tunney sees this and says, whoa, 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 Flair cheated for Undertaker to win. Hogan cheats for Hogan to get himself the title back. No, no, no. The title is now vacant. I'm putting up the WF World Heavyweight Championship. Every man for himself at the Royal Rumble 1992. Of course, that was January 19th, 92. And it was the greatest Royal Rumble of all time. Ric Flair wins. Bobby Heenan does an awesome job on commentary. The final man is Sid Justice. They eliminate. Obviously, Sid Justice gets eliminated with a little help of the Hulkster pulling at him, like we talked about a few weeks ago on the Sid Justice episode, where the Hulkster was being a little bit of a heel there. He fair and square got knocked out, and he kind of pulled Sid out, and it leads to a Sid feud. But really here, think about it. Flair winning was definitely going to be a setup because as they're building it up for months and they're doing the house shows and they're setting up with Flair cheating at this Tuesday in Texas and Survivor Series, they're setting up for the big Hogan Flair WrestleMania match, which doesn't happen. We'll get to that in maybe a few weeks on the show. But the next time Undertaker and Hogan touch, 1-27-1992, Saturday night's main event number 30, Lubbock Municipal Coliseum in Lubbock, Texas. Hogan and Sid beat Flair and Undertaker by DQ. We've talked about that match before on this show. Then the next time that Hogan and Undertaker were touched, 215.92 at a house show in Orlando, Florida, at the Orlando Arena, Hogan and Rowdy Roddy Piper defeat Ric Flair and The Undertaker. What a rare, cool match there. Then again, that match happens at the Palace Norburn Hills in Michigan on 2-16-92, which is a day later. And then the final match between Hogan and The Undertaker during the Hogan era is a 20-man battle royal that Sid Justice wins in about 17 minutes. And that's at Madison Square Garden at MSG on the MSG Network. Hogan Undertaker both in that match together. Sid Justice gets the win there. So the bottom line here, it's a small short feud. Starts really, if you think about it, July 91, 
And you could say, I guess, ends February 92, but it's, it's a short-lived feud for sure. It's really just Survivor Series 91, this Tuesday in Texas 91, Royal Rumble 92. Those are really the three big events. And that's really, you know, what's going to happen. And Hogan and Undertaker don't really feud during the Royal Rumble either. So they kind of moved past that feud and moved on from, from that feud as Hogan is really feuding with Flair and then Sid at Royal Rumble 1992. So like I said, not only did Hogan put Undertaker on the map with Suburban Commando, he put him on the map with losing to him and losing WF title Survivor Series 1991 and beating him by cheating at this Tuesday in Texas 91, so much so that Jack Tunney vacated the title after the victory. So to me, Hogan did work him a bit by pretending he hurt his neck. Want to see what Undertaker reacted like. Want to see how he was during that. And really wanted to kind of test Undertaker at that point. So I feel like Undertaker owes a lot to the Hulkster. I know he's a big star. I know he's a you know legend in this business. One of the greatest of all time. But Hulk Hogan put him on the map in 1991. And Hulk Hogan made him a star. So let's head to the plugs. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at 2ManPowerTrip. Check out the website, tmptempire.com. And of course, Patreon, patreon.com slash tmptempire. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll see you right back here next week for the Hogan Era Podcast. See you next week, folks. Now the Hulkster goes to work. And Hogan making a tremendous recovery here, slamming the head of the Undertaker into the turnbuckle. And what a great, great champion Hogan has proven to be. Nobody, but nobody has done this to the Undertaker. Look at the punishment. The Undertaker is receiving here, but it doesn't seem to phase him. Is he human? He doesn't appear to be. Look at But I believe he is slowing down just an iota. Look at this! Behind! Paul Bearer gets involved, grabs a leg of Hulk Hogan. Just what the Undertaker needed. You're right, Sean. He needed just one or two seconds to recover himself, get his poise back, and a tremendous right-hander floored the champion. Drives an open hand into the throat. And now, returns with a chokehold. The referee, at this point, helpless. And what Alfred Hayes, Hulk Hogan is bleeding. I noticed that. a laceration somewhere. Well, he's taken some tremendous heavy blows from the Undertaker, and he's going for the tombstone. Oh. Is this it? Do we have a new champion here in the World Wrestling Federation? And Hogan writhing in agony and probably some nerves causing that spasm in the body of Hogan. And now the Undertaker taking his time. All he has to do is just put both shoulders down now. And I'm afraid that championship will leave or change hands at least. Really taking his time and going for a cover here. And you cannot do that in a championship match. Hulk Hogan reaches down, drawing strength from his Hulkamaniacs here. Kicks out of it. That is a look of determination. And now Hogan seems impervious to the onslaught of The Undertaker. Before it was The Undertaker we thought was inhumane, but look at this. I should say inhuman, Sean. That right stands the Hulkster straight up, but he still does not appear to be in trouble. And he certainly has come back after The Undertaker. Boot right to the jaw. 
Well, Archip, he had to go a long way up with that boot to nail the Undertaker. This time, when Paul Bearer gets involved, he really pays the price. Hulkster wraps up the Undertaker. Can he keep him down? Yes! Well, a count of three. And what a tremendous victory here for Hulk Hogan. Over up to this point, the undefeated Undertaker. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash tmptempire to become a patron. And also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two Man Power Trip, where the power lies brother.